Glory to Jesus Christ. Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their histories, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois, and this is a story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith, courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the Light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by Eastern Christian Publications, where you can find the prayers of the Catholic Byzantine Daily Office at ecpubs.com and by easternchristianmedia.com, a broadband network for you to learn more about the Eastern Catholic Churches. That's easternchristianpublications.com. Glory to Jesus Christ. Welcome to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Lawyer, your host. In the Byzantine liturgical calendar, we have entered into the period known as the Philip's Fast. In the West, it would be known as the Season of Advent. In the Byzantine tradition, Philip's Fast, and by the way, it's called Philip's Fast, only by, in a sense, coincidence or default. It happens to start 40 days before Christmas, which, of course, is December 25th. And 40 days before Christmas just happens to land on the Feast of St. Philip the Apostle. So they named it Philip's Fast. It's like the Lenten season. Not quite as strict, but it involves, as always, when we prepare for something wonderful, something or someone wonderful who's going to come and arrive in our presence, and we're going to host that wonderful person. In this case, of course, it's Jesus Christ, the Messiah. When that happens, we prepare, just like you prepare for guests when they come to your home. And we prepare by cleaning house, not just our physical homes, decorating and so on, and dusting and vacuuming, but we clean our spiritual homes, our souls. And we do that by increased prayer, fasting, and charity. And that's what any great holy day is all about, especially in the church. Now, I mentioned that of those three things, charity and fasting. In other words, we deny ourselves in order to open ourselves up to a deeper form of Christianity, a deeper kind of charity. You know, I am in the Chicago area, but I'm originally from Cleveland. And I always get a kick out of this little fact of living in the Chicago area, and I sometimes will kid my fellow Chicagoans about it. They really hail and boast about their water here, Lake Michigan water, Chicago water, they call it. It's like the drink of the gods almost. It's like you turn the faucet as if gold's going to come out. I always got a kick out of that because they come from Cleveland and we have Lake Erie. But for a long time, a lot of these lakes, certainly Lake Erie was, was heavily polluted. So I grew up with that, and it's sometimes hard to believe that they've actually cleaned up those lakes quite a bit. And the water from many of those lakes that were once polluted and still are partially polluted can be that good. But Chicagoans boast of it. 
So we always want to have Chicago water wherever you are in the Chicago area rather than well water and so on. Yes, it is good water by most standards. But imagine if you didn't have any kind of good water. It was even worse than well water. Water is intrinsic to our existence. Most of our body is made up of water. Water gives life. Water is sacramental. It's used in the sacrament. It both drowns and gives life. That's why it's used in baptism. So water is an incredible, mysterious, and yet very concrete and practical element of the earth and of our lives. But imagine you didn't have water. You didn't have Chicago water. Yet water is even worse than well water. And with all the minerals and how it clogs up pipes and just has an awful smell. And you had to use that to wash in and bathe in. Well, there are people who live like that. And these people are fellow Christians, Eastern Christians, many of them, just like myself, Eastern Catholics. They're in an area that sometimes you don't hear that much about anymore on the news. It used to be always on the news, but you don't hear about it that much anymore. I'm referring to our Eastern Christian brethren, not only them, but in particular them, and in particular our Eastern Catholic brethren, because that's what our show is about. I'm referring to those who live in the area of the Middle East, especially Iraqi Christians, who are still suffering from the aftermath of so much war, global war, civil war. Many of them are refugees, and they need our attention. They need our remembrance. You know, remembrance is a very big term, a very, very big concept in the church. When we remember, it's not just remembering as we think of it in everyday life. It's something more than that, something deeper. And in fact, we take remembrance to the highest level, especially at our funeral services. Our last word on a person's life, on their earthly life, as we place them into the ground for their eternal repose, we say eternal memory, eternal memory, meaning we ask God to remember that person because God will remember them perfectly and forever, even if we cannot, even despite our best intentions. So to remember is very much a part of Christian spirituality and a very strong aspect of Eastern Christian spirituality. So although the world and the mainstream media has almost forgotten these suffering people, we have not here at Light of the East. We're going to remember them and remind you of them, especially now during the season, which we are going to pull back fast, you know, clean house, so as to take on greater charity. And we have someone's going to help us do that today. A good friend of ours at Light of the East, her name is Juliana Tamarazzi from the Iraqi Christian Relief Council. Juliana, welcome to Light of the East. Thank you for having me, Father Tom. It is an amazing Honored to be with you once again. Always good to have you here, too, and you do such great work. You're kind of a Joan of Arc of our time. <laughs> I'm humbled that you say that, but You're I'm out far there on from the, it. Out there on the front lines, on hands-on, helping people, helping your people. You are an Iraqi Christian, right, or a Syrian, right? Yes, I'm an Assyrian. I was born in Iran. Um, but uh, wherever the Assyrians, the Chaldeans, and the Syriacs are, they are my people. And I have dedicated my life to serving them wherever they are. And right now, they are still very much in need, although, as I mentioned, we seem to have almost forgotten them. Sometimes they, you know, they're in the news, but not like they should be. These are people who are, who are really hurting, even with the simple fact that they don't have decent water. Now, the water we're talking about here uh, that, that they're short of over there is 
Is water that, is it drinking water? Is it uh, cleansing water? Is it both? What is it? You see, Father, when uh, the Islamic State rolled through the northern part of Iraq and destroyed these Christian towns, they not only destroyed lives, per se, uh, with crucifixions or when they kidnapped people, they destroyed the entire infrastructure of those cities. They literally uh, have taken pipes from the ground. Um, I've been in Iraq three times this year. And it's um, it's just unbelievable the, the how much damage they they brought into those cities. Did they do that to uh, like like uh, scavenge those things, or just to punish the people, or why did they do that? All of the above. They sold a lot of those things. Mm-hmm. They uh, also punished them for being mm-hmm. Christian, and they wanted to eradicate them because they knew once if they were defeated, which sort of they've been pushed out. This sort is of. I- ISIS. You mean. ISIS, mm-hmm. yes. Uh, that if they did decide to return, they will return to really complete economic loss and they would have to start from zero mm. or just push them out. And to be honest, Father, they have successfully pushed out many, many Iraqi Christians from Iraq. Yeah, I've always wondered, Juliana, uh, and you said you were there three times already, like when I've seen in the news where they show Iraqis going back to, say, Mosul, I often wonder, well, what is there to go back to? Is there anything there? Is there? Why do they want to go back there? What is the condition? What are they? What can they go back to? Are they rebuilding? Is is it impossible? Or do they have a, a dream that how it used to be? Or I don't I don't understand. Um, I'd like to draw you to when Hurricane Katrina or Sandy hit the U.S. Mm-hmm. People were devastated. Everything was destroyed. Their homes were blown you know blown apart. But they went back. They went mm. back to rebuild, and the entire country rallied around them, and they helped them rebuild. So this is their homeland. A lot of the a lot of people have returned home because they don't want to be displaced as refugees throughout the world mm-hmm. to deal with a cultural clash, with the lack of language, and where, for example, there was a doctor who said, "Where am I going to be a doctor again? I'm 60 years old. I can mm. only be a physician and serve my people on my own land, mm. in my own land." So they return to their home. What do they return to? To dist- complete destruction. Hmm. Majority of homes have been burned down with this specific chemical material mm. that is cancerous. So those homes are being rehabbed. We actually, my organization has helped to rehab quite a few homes. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're going back to farms that have have become minefields, frankly. Hmm. And uh, the government, Iraqi government, is uh, helping demine these these farms. But their cattle were taken away. Um, their tractors. I mean, complete destruction. But we as human beings, especially we as Christians, are resilient people. Mm. I don't want your listeners and my fellow Christians in the West just to look at us as victims, but to look at us as resilient people that have kept the faith, mm-hmm. have kept our nationality on the ground in Iraq as Assyrians. Um, you met, you asked me earlier, uh, is it is it is it clean drinking water? Is it you know hygiene water? It's all of the above, mm-hmm. but um, they can buy bottles of water, for example, mm-hmm. at a very cheap uh, price. But what they're suffering from is the hygiene water that is not clean. Either there's so much chlorine that has been injected in there mm-hmm. that the water is murky and whitish, mm-hmm. or it is so dirty, like coffee color, mud color. And this is this is not water that they irrigate with. This is the water they have to wash their teeth with, mm-hmm. to bathe in, and you know, wash their hair with. So um, although there's aid that is slowly starting to flow very slowly uh, from big governments, but um, it, it's not fast enough. People are still suffering. A lot of people, you, you mentioned earlier, there's not much coverage, and you're right. 
there's not much coverage of their suffering because if the idea is ISIS has been pushed out, mm. they go back, okay, well, their government can help or they can rebuild. But this is exactly like the Holocaust time. When the Holocaust um, ended, when people were freed from these camps, they went back to nothing. Mm. And this is exactly 70, 75 years later is what our fellow Christians are going through. So now more than ever, Father Tom and your listeners, now more than ever, these people need you because they still need the food that you helped us provide them with, with the blankets, with gasoline for heating and air conditioning. But now we need you even more to help rebuild these people's lives. When we come back, we're going to talk more about the plight of fellow Christians in the Middle East, particularly Iraqi Christians who need something as simple as water. We're going to talk about this with our special guest, Juliana Tamarazzi of the Iraqi Christian Relief Council. I'm Father Thomas Loyal on Light of the East. Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion. And to tell the story of the Eastern Lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support. In order to keep Light of the East on the air, you can make a donation now by going to byzantinecatholic.com. That's byzantinecatholic.com. And then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. Welcome to a St. Nicholas Minute. When did St. Nicholas begin delivering gifts on Christmas Eve? Well, sadly, by the end of the 18th century and the first part of the 19th century, people more and more forgot why we celebrate Christmas. So one day some folks invited me to deliver gifts on Christmas Eve instead of St. Nicholas Eve in early December. You can imagine my joy, the birthday of Jesus, what an honor. But it was then that they took away my bishop's vestments and dressed me like an elf. Talk about an extreme makeover. That's why on Christmas Eve of 1822, Dr. Clement Moore wrote down what he saw. He said he saw a little old driver so lively and quick I knew in a moment it must be St. Nick. Why, you ask, did he have doubts in his mind whether it was St. Nicholas or not? Well, he knew I was a bishop. He was shocked to see me dressed like an elf. But no matter how I'm dressed, my spirit is still the same. I'm filled with the joy that flows from the Christmas proclamation, Christ is born, glorify him. <laughs> I'm Mary Fiorito of the Ethics and Public Policy Center and the DeNicola Center for Ethics and Culture. And you are listening to Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Glory to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loyer, your host. Our special guest today, a good friend of ours here at Light of the East, Juliana Tamarazzi of the Iraqi Christian Relief Council. I referred to her earlier as the kind of a Joan of Arc of our time. She's a singular heroine, heroine, Thank female you, hero. <laughs> and she is giving of her time, her talent, her treasure, her very life for her people. A lot of these people are... Eastern Christians, which, of course, is part of the focus of this program, Light of the East. And we're talking about something very simple they need, something we take for granted, water. Just imagine, in this day age, water. And, you know, Juliana, I always think about whenever I hear stories like you are ex expressing to us and sharing with us, because you've been there, you live it, I think to myself, those conditions would seem to be almost like a, like a total fantasy for us here. They're one airplane ride away from us. You know, it's yes. not so far, yes. you know, we think of it being so far, but it's one airplane ride, you know, 
get on a plane, fly out there, and you can be right there where this whole other world is that we can't fathom. Yes. That you, you, as you mentioned before, a doctor who's 60 years old, what's he going to do? He's limited in who he can serve now, where he can go. People had professions that are now refugees, people that can't even get water. I mean, we complain about the littlest things here, you know, because we have so much. We're so blessed. But to think that these conditions were just, were, it's just like another world is not in another world. It's not that far away. Plus, we are bounded by the fact that we are fellow Christians. You know, that binds us. There is no distance there. There is no time. We are bound together. And especially when, for those of you, when you go to liturgy or the Mass, you know, on Sunday, and you receive the Eucharist, in that moment, in that service, you are bound intimately with every other Christian person in the world. And you are bound with these people who are just an airplane right away, but who seem to be so far away from us in our reality. We are bounded by them mystically, especially the Eucharist. And what they need, they need a lot of things. But all we're focusing on is one very simple, but very essential thing. And that's water. Juliana, I want to ask you, in terms of their conditions, tell me, how is the church doing over there in Iraq, especially the areas like Mosul and so on that were so devastated? What is the faith of the people? Do they have faith? Do, can, you know, do, do, they, do they feel God has abandoned them, or do they, do they have a new fervor? What, what's going on? Collectively, they all will tell you that uh, the Islamic State has inflamed or engulfed their faith in Lord Jesus Christ all over again. Hmm. Uh, the church inside Mosul, most of the churches were absolutely devastated, but there have been slowly, they're opening the doors, they're hmm. rehabbing the churches there. Uh, the church is alive and well. I even when they were in their um, shipping containers, literally living in shipping containers in northern Iraq, they had a makeshift uh, um, tent or a makeshift shipping container that was large. For churches, for uh, to be served as a church, they always served the Eucharist. Even you know the Arabic letter N that mm -hmm. became so popular when ISIS marked Christian homes in Mosul. Yes. They had uh, drawn the Arabic letter on uh, and on churches inside the makeshift churches mm -hmm. on the chairs. So, um, so the the faith is alive, and they will tell you they will suffer even more. For Jesus, mm -hmm. uh, but uh, but that doesn't mean that we have to forsake them. Uh, you talked about water, Father. I have to give you. I have to tell you a quick story. As I said earlier, we have uh, Iraqi Christian Relief Council has helped dig many many wells in the northern part of Iraq and then in a plain area. And uh, there was a when we went to visit in January, uh, this well that we had dug. This young beautiful woman came out of this beautiful mansion that uh, they had once abandoned. She came over. She said, "Who are you?" And we said, "We've helped dig this well, and for this for your community." And she hugged me, and she took me by my shoulders, and she said, "I have to tell you what you've done for me. This well is not just literally giving me clean water to be able to brush my teeth or wash my hair. It was a symbol of hope for me, mm -hmm. and that encouraged me." Father, she said, that encouraged me to go to dental school to become a dentist. Hmm. This is a woman who escaped ISIS. She lived in these shipping containers for two years, returned to a half partially destroyed mansion, and they, with their own hands, rebuilt it. But where we came, we became their partners through donations from uh, our Western Christians. And uh, we gave them hope. We, This woman, now her entire generation is going to be impacted positively. Because of why simple well that gave her the most basic right to clean water. Imagine that. Imagine 
getting up, not being able to, your children not washing their teeth because the water is polluted. And, but you can today, this very day, you can make a difference to help us dig wells there. I mentioned at the beginning of the program, I opened by talking about Chicago water, about the glories of Chicago water, as they say around here, that we have the advantage of this great water that comes right from the tap, and we must all have it, and they, they rejoice and boast about it here. And here these people don't have any, or they have very, you know, it's just, just horrible water, you know, in these conditions. So something as simple as that. Juliana, where where are the Iraqis? They're, they're dispersed, they're a diaspora, they're refugees, where are they? So uh, in Turkey, there are about 25, 27,000 that are living in slums. Their situation is so tough, Father. Mm. Their homes are roach infested. Many of homes are just awful in awful conditions. Um, but they're waiting to be resettled in the West, which is not happening quick enough. There are about 17,000 now in Jordan, in slums in Amman. I was in Jordan three times this year. The rent is so expensive in Jordan. Uh, and also in Turkey, really. Um, so some of the donations that come our way, we do use them for Turkey and Jordan as well to help them. If if someone who was a professional in Iraq and they got you know, displaced because the war and something like that, if they're a refugee, they're not asked to you know do that profession there. Like if you're a doctor, you you can't be a doctor in Jordan, or how does that work? Uh, unfortunately, there are zero job permits that are given to Iraqi Christians in Jordan. And in Turkey, there are very few um, job permits that are given to people to work. Uh, no, the answer is hmm. no. They're unable to perform their professions there. A lot of the aid, a lot of attention, a lot of job, almost all job permits go to the Syrian Muslim refugees. Hmm. Really? Well, now, first of all, our guest is Juliana Tamarazi from the Iraqi Christian Relief Council. And Juliana, where can people go to help? Where can they find out more about what you do? Our website is victimsofisis.org, victimsofisis.org. You can also see a lot of our work in the social media. So you can go to Iraqi Christian Relief Council Facebook page. Mm -hmm. uh, you can also follow us on Twitter at Iraqi Christian, singular. It's mm -hmm. Iraqi Christian. Um, and um, you can you can just follow us there. My phone number is on the website if you'd like to reach me. And Father, I, as you know, I travel extensively throughout churches in the in America to bring this plight to mm -hmm. the people, uh, to be able to raise funds and deliver the funds immediately. And the thing about your organization, what you do, Juliana, and this is very important for listeners to understand, is that you're very very hands on, very direct. Yes. You know, any kind of donations not to um, to preserve a, a bureaucracy or many multi-layered administration. <laughs> this is this is direct. In other words, if someone makes a donation, that buys a blanket for somebody, right? And that right yes. now we're going to buy we want to buy what a well, right? A simple well, right? That's yes. what we're looking for right now. Yes, this is a one-woman operation, father if uh, if you will. And um we do. The money goes there immediately. We don't keep the money in the bank. We send it for to to um, answer the proposals or grant the proposals. Let's see, one woman, let me see. I think of some one women in history, uh, Joan of Arc, <laughs> Blessed Virgin Mary, Catherine My Sina. God, Father, I'm, but I'm just a servant, Father, truly. I'm just a servant for the Lord and my nation. Uh, yes, to, so, and the other thing that we do, I'm so happy to tell you that we provide an opportunity for the donor to meet, if they choose to, to meet via Skype or via oh, Facebook Messenger, the, the beneficiaries, these people that they help. So, for example, there's this beautiful woman. Her name is Gloria from Florida. She donated $10,000, and we mm. uh, dug two wells. And she asked us to 
uh, give the name the Divine Mercy Wells, mm-hmm. and uh, you'll see some of those pictures on our Facebook page and on wow. our on our Twitter account. So people can have a direct relationship. And the these dog. wells are like in a person's yard or a town, or they're in the neighborhood. Oh, neighborhood. Okay, mm-hmm. so more than one person can. Absolutely. Oh, okay. The the entire community of that area is uh, the beneficiary, really, of the well. And to uh, make one well, what kind of money we're looking at? So, uh, depending on how sophisticated the well is and how large the community is, the cost is anywhere between five thousand to twelve thousand, maximum twelve thousand, minimum five thousand to dig a well. And these wells are are sustainable, so mm-hmm. they they stay there indefinitely. Obviously, what I also like about your effort, your organization, Juliana, I've always admired this about what you do. Your your particular effort is that you have very manageable goals. They're very yes. direct, very, very, in a sense, small. Like you're not asking for millions of dollars to transform the whole country of Iraq and change the government and cure all these things overnight with billions of dollars. You're not doing that. You're asking for really, a, a comparatively, a very small amount to do just one or two things immediately and directly. Yes. And that's what we've done for the last 11 and a half years of the life of Iraqi Christian Relief Council. Um, we have gone slow and steady. We've uh, helped clothe people. We've brought gasoline. Father, if, if there's an opportunity for you to visit our website or our social media, you'll see the gasoline that mm. we've been providing to the people year after year, winter after winter. Um, it's just so heartwarming. And the other thing is, because I'm in the region often, I meet these individuals and I embrace them. When I embrace them in my arms, um, I can't tell you that... The feeling that I get, I wish I could transport that feeling and bring it to the, to the donors for them to see the impact, the positive impact that they make on these people's lives. Well, once again, the website is victimsofisis.org. Our guest has been a good friend of ours here at Light of the East, Juliana Tamarazzi of the Iraqi Christian Relief Council. She said that how she was embraced and she embraces them. Perhaps all of you listening might consider embracing these people as well. These fellow Christians, especially now, as we move into the season, the ultimate season of charity. Juliana, thank you for being here with us. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. To hear Light of the East again, visit byzantinecatholic.com and click on the Features and Programs tab and on iTunes. Thank you for listening to Light of the East. We encourage you to tell a friend about Light of the East and to visit byzantinecatholic.com. Light of the East is produced by ADC Media. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the Light of the East. To learn more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, byzantinecatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue Light of the East with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount will be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East, 14610 Will Cook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. That's Light of the East, 14610 Wilcook Road, spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. Or donate online on the homepage of ByzantineCatholic.com. From the Light of the East, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God grant you many happy years. Oh!